Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Amplify Her podcast. I am your host, Christina Singh, and the Amplify Her podcast is all about amplifying and uplifting women's voices and stories. Man, oh man, I am so excited for today's show. I know you guys are going to make fun of me because I say this every single week, but it's true. I am so excited. On the show today, I am joined with Kristen Lorenz. Um, So I got to be able to interview Kristen, and let me just say she is a freaking delight. And she was just so kind, so enthusiastic, and... I loved this conversation with her around intuitive eating, coming home to our bodies, and being kind with ourselves. She is a uh, intuitive eating registered dietitian, and we talk about what that means during the show. Um, we talk about diet culture. So I do want to give you a trigger warning in case you do have, um, you know, some issues with food or um, if you have some things around food that might trigger you, um, please be, you know, protective of yourself and your own mental health. Um, if you do want to listen to this episode, it is absolutely fantastic. Um, and just to give you a quick idea um, of who Kristen is, like I mentioned, she is an intuitive eating registered dietitian, um, H-A-E-S aligned intuitive eating registered dietitian, she says. Um, and the uh, The description on her website, which I love, is that she helps busy people who are over fad diets, detoxes, and restrictive standard meal plans. Um, The person committed to themselves, their health, and longevity, and their confidence. Um, You can find Kristen at her website. You can find her on Instagram um, or on TikTok. I will link all of the things uh, for her in uh, the show notes below. And I really, really hope you enjoy this interview. I certainly, certainly did. It was wonderful. Um, and let's get into it with Kristen. Kristen, welcome to the Amplify Her podcast. I am so, so happy you're here. Thank you for being here with me today. Christina, thank you for having me. Well, I uh, found you online um, and you are a dietitian. Specifically, I want to say you are an intuitive eating registered dietitian. And I connected with your content immediately. um, And I made one of your meals that I think went a bit viral online um, that was like spinach, rice, chicken, and then like um, some really delicious uh, dressing from Costco. And I made that meal so long ago and it has been my go-to meal. My husband loves it. Like I, it is delicious. And the reason I connected with your content so deeply is because I love your approach to food and I love your approach to eating. So thank you for posting that because you gave me something delicious to eat. (laughs) We love a hyperfixation meal. And actually the people who Mm -hmm. do make that roasted, that deep roasted sesame dressing, um, QP, they will be so happy to know that you got it from Costco because that is an approved vendor of that dressing. So thank you. (laughs) Make sure you tag them. I'll be really happy. Beautiful. Um, Great. (laughs) 
One thing I wanted to ask you off the bat, um, because I I have connected with your your content and your style, is what exactly is an intuitive eating dietitian? Well, that is a really great question. And an intuitive eating dietitian, there is a certification that you can get. Um, the makers or the inventors, the creators of intuitive eating, Elise Rush and Evelyn Triboli, they there is a certification that actually registered dietitians or even health professionals. So you could be a yoga teacher and learn more about it. You could be someone interested. Just You just have to be interested in intuitive eating. And there are lots of definitions for it. I like to create my own interpretation of it. Obviously, I'm still in line with what the creators want. But the way that I describe it is coming home to yourself. Mm-hmm. There's so that. much about, about diet culture that takes us away from our intuitive eating selves. So before Christina started recording, we were talking about our kids. And so, you know, children are the most amazing intuitive eaters. You might have a child at home who has been wanting a popsicle or a cupcake and you give it to them thinking, okay, you know, finally you get your cupcake, you get your popsicle and they have three bites of it and they're done. And as adults, we think, what is going on here? This is crazy. I mean, why why are you eating three bites? You were fixated on getting this treat and now you had the treat and you've had enough. And if you think about it, as young as two, three years old, depending on the environment in which you were raised, you might have had that treat, that cupcake, that popsicle dangled in front of you as a reward, as you need to finish your dinner to get this, or are you feeling sick? Okay, here, here is this. We start these patterns very early on. Um, and these generational perspectives of food come from our parents and our parents' parents. And so this is not to say that anyone's parent has malintent when coming to feeding kids. I get it. I have a four and a six-year-old. It is hard. Yeah. But when I say it come, it, intuitive eating brings you home to yourself, it helps us reject some of these external factors like intermittent fasting, where you might have to wait for a certain time to eat, but you are just ravenous. But you're, this rule is telling you to eat two hours later. You can't eat until 12 o'clock. Um, you know, I would also like to add the disclaimer. There's something for everybody. Right, and, right. And so, you know, I connected with you, you connected with me. That's amazing. I'm not for everybody. And intuitive eating isn't for everybody. And it's important to acknowledge body autonomy. And one of the great things about intuitive eating, at least for me, I didn't start out as an intuitive eating dietitian or an intuitive eater in general in my nutrition world. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Because I really would love to hear about how you started. Oh, yeah. So I... I went to college back when it was really new to bring a laptop to college. You know, it was like a big deal. <laughs> We're the same age. <laughs> so, you know, there wasn't really an online directory at Michigan State University. Um, and so I started out as a business major because I was thinking, oh, I just want to help people. And I think business people help people. I mean, you think about it back in 2002 when I went to college, dating myself here, but it was you don't get those experiences, the world there, social media didn't exist. So, I mean, I knew, yeah, my dad was a lawyer. Um, my mom had a social work degree and that was what I knew. And I knew I didn't want to do that, uh, necessarily those specific roles. And so I started 
failing in college, didn't do well. So I'm looking through a, a course book and I found a dietitian degree. And I was like, well, I really love food. I like health. And even though the science courses really scared me, I got tutors. And once I actually learned how to apply the science as it relates to nutrition, everything was easy and yeah. loved it. Um, but as far as the journey goes, I started out working at a nursing home and then I worked in an ICU. I loved ICU nutrition, tube feeds, TPN, just the calculations. And that translated to me as, well, it's just numbers and calculation. I, I was really taking the human aspect out of food. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Even when it came to nourishing myself, I also lacked a lot of, I'll just put empathy. I was, a young single person with no one depending on me. And so, you know, and, and being in my body was just always easy. I I've never been stigmatized for it. I recognize that privilege, but I, you know, so I just didn't really understand other people having issues, even though I had my own issues with food and body image at that time. Wow. Um, it was just very isolating. And so, then I was thinking, oh, well, just macros are so easy. Why why can't people just do macros? And it really took getting pregnant with my son for me to realize that that it, it wasn't a way that I wanted to continue to live my life because it wasn't a lifestyle that I wanted to mirror or model for my kid and future children. Well, so before you got pregnant with your son, mm -hmm. um, you were calculating a lot of what you were eating. That's what you're saying. You were you were calculating, you were using data as this tool. Um, it, specifically like macro data. Was it also calories, things like that? Yes. And for me, it was really easy because I calculated very complicated TPN, which is an acronym for total parenteral nutrition for basically people who cannot digest in their guts. I calculated uh, how they would receive intravenous nutrition and electrolytes. And so I applied it to myself, but also without the best intent. It was, I was, I was doing my own calculations based exclusively on shrinking my body, uh, trying to get as small as possible. Right. I couldn't work out very well. I, I, I truly remember being so upset about the lunch that I had to eat, which is funny, right? Like this is, I, I made my lunch. I bought it with my own money. I prepared it at my house. I would bring it to the office with me and I would dread eating it because mm. I didn't like the taste of it. I didn't like what was made of it, but it was what was on my plan for the day. Right. It, it was turning into this punishment and then this reward. But even with the reward that I would be quote unquote, like living for, for the weekend, it came at a price. And, and I know I don't want to provide any kind of fuel for someone who might be struggling right now. So I don't want to give absolute specifics as to like what sure. it was I was doing, but you know, it was essentially this earn, you know, this food that I had to earn for yeah. whatever reason. And it was exhausting. I, I would even boil pasta in a separate container from where my now husband was boiling his pasta because I had already weighed it out and measured it. And I can't have you messing up my macros. I mean, it was exhausting. I, I've been there. I've done the same thing. And 
I've done it over and over and over again. Um, I myself am a plus size person and I live in a larger body. And so I've always had discomfort or been told my body is um, an uncomfortable space, you know, and um, I have been exactly in that space where I'm calculating everything. I've read all the books and I'm interested in nutrition and I, I am... I think it's so great to be armed with that information, but it can also spiral like you're saying, and you can feel um, not at home in your body. So when you were um, going through this and then you got pregnant, how did that change for you? Well, I initially, I had a lot of shame because as a dietitian, I felt like I shouldn't have felt that way, um, that it was wrong of me or that there was something wrong with me have, you know, to be a dietitian and have an issue with food when unfortunately the reality is that it's quite prevalent in the field of dietetics. Um, and luckily there are great resources and I I'm loving the movement of intuitive eating and body positivity, body neutrality, body image work that is happening in the world. Um, so yeah, how it happened, I I felt really out of control because when you are pregnant, you are out of control. And if I were to restrict or try to manipulate my body in a way, it's not only compromising the baby, but it's compromising myself. And I, it, it felt selfish to me. Mm. So of course you can eat with health in mind and move with health in mind when you are pregnant or not. But yeah. for me too, I was also, um, I was like, why am I, why do I care so much about having the first appointment in the morning? Well, I retained a lot of fluid in my first pregnancy and the thought of being reprimanded for having gained a certain amount of pounds in a certain amount of time. If my if my doctor's appointment wasn't at the same time, I, I'm very adverse to getting reprimanded. I, I really, I, <laughs> I'm a rule follower. And I, I am the same way. <laughs> I never, I, I, I can't even tell you. I think it's because I had heard one person talk about how they had been counseled by their doctor because they had gained X number of pounds in a certain week. When in reality, mm-hmm. I mean, if if I was weighed on scale A versus scale B, you know, they're not calibrated. It, it, weight is just a data point. But again, I was like, well, it's the one data point that they're using as a measure here. And it felt very stressful. Right. Um, and in your field, it's the one data point that is that metric for so, so much. And oh, it's yeah. overwhelmingly so. So having that message in your brain, I... I 100% understand why that would hold a lot of weight for you in those yeah. moments. Yeah. And and one of my favorite things, this is a little bit of a segue, but one of my favorite things when talking about scale and weight with people right now, you know, I, I truly at this moment, I do not know what it is I weigh. When I go to a, you, you always have the right to decline being weighed at a doctor's office. Um, you know, or turn around, you can ask, you know, there are, there are providers who are becoming more understanding of that because it is a lot of insurances do not need that number. Yeah. But I digress. But, you know, when it comes to working with a client with me one-on-one, I, I will take a non-numbers approach. You know, we do not focus on intentional weight loss. A, A number is not the goal. And 
people will weigh themselves at some point because it's a habit that they're trying to break or they get curious. And one of the questions I always like to ask is what is it that you're trying to validate by stepping on that scale? Because you might be feeling really strong. You might wake up feeling great for whatever reason. What what feels good in your body? I don't know, but you might be feeling great and you step on that scale. And are you stepping on that scale to validate how great you are? And if that number is what you hope or wish for, does that validate how good you feel? Or what if that number isn't, is something that bothers you? Well, then you, it's taken you outside of your body. You know, your body was telling you that it felt good. And then all of a sudden that number undercuts you. And then let's take it from the other side. What if you wake up and you feel, you know, I mean, I ate a lot of chili last night from the Super Bowl. Um, Sorry if I'm dating this as to when we're recording. I ate a lot of chili. Um, You know, I had some Prosecco. I didn't drink a ton of water. So I'm, I'm, you know, didn't wake up feeling my best today. (laughs) And, you know, if I were to have stepped on a scale this morning, what would I be validating? Would it be validating that, yeah, you are retaining a lot of sodium or fluid because of the sodium you ate, drank or ate. And it, are you, you know, are, are you as bad as you feel? I mean, what, what, what is that number validating for you? Right. I love this conversation and this part of it because it goes straight into that intuition of coming back home to your body. And what does that feel like for you when you wake up in the morning Are you feeling at home or are you not? You know, what practices are you putting in place to feel strong, like you were saying, to feel good and to feel um, satiated? Uh, And it's not going to be a perfect picture every time, but at least you're trying um, and you understand what that means for you. So to go back to this change for you, what does that, what did that mean for you and how did your career evolve? What did intuitive eating? Yeah. Mean? How, after oh. you got pregnant, what, what did this change mean for you? How did your career evolve after that? It, it cracked open something in me that I really didn't know existed. And it, it cracked open this care and understanding and this bandwidth that everybody is coming from different experiences and, what is hard for one person might be easy for another and that people know their bodies better than anyone else. And that diet culture really does make us question ourselves and question our bodies, make us feel like we can't trust ourselves. And if it's doing that to health professionals, what is it doing to people who are just wanting help? And again, boil it down, What help in what way? Because Intentional weight loss is sold as the solution to so many issues, but it's, you know, it's, it's often not, it's not, Mm -hmm. it's, it's not, it's so much more than that. And so, um, it, it made food fun for me again. There does come a point of intuitive eating where food also just becomes normal, where it's just food is food. And you're not saving up for Thanksgiving. You're not saving up for the Super Bowl because you have unconditional permission to eat food 
at all times. Actually, we were at church yesterday and the at the children's time, the kids go up and the pastor asked, what what kind of rules do you guys have in your house? And one kid raised their hand and said, oh, you know, no hitting or yelling. And they said, oh, that's a good rule. My son raises his hand. He's a big contributor to children's time. And uh, he he did say, and it it kind of got me at first. He said, well, don't eat too much candy or else you're going to get a stomach ache. And my husband looked at me and look, that's not a rule that we have. We don't have that rule, <laughs> but it is a rule that my son, and again, rule I use loosely, but it is a realization that my son came to by himself because on Halloween, I let him eat the amount of candy that he wanted to eat. And I let him make the connection between, well, this amount of candy made me feel this way. And I didn't like feeling that way. Therefore, I'm probably not going to eat that amount of candy in one sitting again. Yeah, I love this so much because it's it's um often we think of house rules as being dictated by parents. You know, mm-hmm. these are the house rules. Um, we have a system in our home. He created his own system based on the the permission of of just allowing yourself to be intuitive because it's his home too. Like these are his rules in his home. Yeah, it's his I, home. And his body is his home. Yeah, and, you know, p- being uh, being a parent is hard, and we we can definitely talk about. You know, there are certain the kids do not run the house. I am still the adult and the parent at the sure. end. Sure. <laughs> But, you know, a, a, a body food choice congruence is what it's called in an intuitive eating where you're like, oh, OK, well, that food made me feel this way. And I don't really think I want to eat that way again. So, I mean, that that happened with a viral cabbage salad that I saw on TikTok where I was like, oh, the salad is good. And I made it and I've never eaten so much raw cabbage in my <laughs> life. And now I know how much I won't eat again because it didn't fare well for anybody in my house. Like it was just... You know, so it can happen with cabbage. It can a bloaty, bloaty house. Girl, I like, I just got back from the moon. It was unbelievable. I just like, you know, and, and it's like, oh, well, why did you keep eating it? I'm like, well, it tasted good. And, you know, salad, you know, just, I don't know. I just, I really liked it. And yeah, I didn't like the way it made my body feel. So I'm going to have to take a different approach next time. So right. Two extremes, but. No, I love that example because it can be classified with everything we eat. Um, You know, a cookie, one cookie versus seven, it's going to make you feel a different way. Um, One giant salad versus maybe half of that giant salad that you wanted, you know? But I think something I, I had been thinking about before our interview and definitely now during it um, is this idea of forgiveness, this idea of forgiving yourself and being graceful with yourself and and soft with yourself to allow yourself to find joy in food. And I think we're often told through diet culture that there are all of these rules, but the rules don't make sense for everyone. And the rules are not so nice. (laughs) And they're telling us to be not so nice to ourselves. Um, At least that is my experience with it. And I think a lot of what you're talking about is, is this forgiveness of, no, you can allow yourself to have grace and to approach something in a softer way. 
Is that something that you found through your work and and through your practice? Yes, 100%. And I think curiosity is a really important part of that. We can be really scared to try something new or something different. People have been taught to not trust themselves. And that feels really scary. We live in a world of a lot of binaries. This is good. This is bad. This is the rule. This is not the rule. You did great. You faltered. Um, Amazon deliveries in 48 hours or less. So we are used to binaries and quick results and not waiting and you know, if you mess up a rule, it's over. You've got to start again. And there is no such thing of there, there that does not exist. And so people will say, well, then how do I know if I'm doing it correctly? And it, it is very, intuitive eating is very client driven in the sense that, you know, I'm not going to ask a client like, well, you know, what do you think we should do next? But the answer lies within you. And so I'll ask you the questions to help you come to the realization of what feels best for you. I can't tell you what is going to feel best in your body, but that's for us to explore. Yeah. That curiosity is so important. And and you think about, you know, if you tried something or your friend tried something and it didn't work out, you know, how would you counsel your friend Versus how would you counsel yourself? We are so hard on ourselves. Yes. I think that also um, we're so hard on ourselves. And in turn, when we see others who aren't living up to these standards that have somehow swirled above us, it can lead to judgment and it can lead to, like you were saying, professionals in in this field, in the health world, having this um underlying judgment of what people are or are not doing if they're counting macros if they're counting count like all of these things um i'm curious when you first started practicing intuitive eating how did that push and pull of where you were and where you are now like what sort of healing did you have to do in yourself to come to a place where you were going to start to teach others to do this healing as well. I definitely took a step back from clients for a little bit um, because I needed to do the work and the research for myself. And I felt like, I felt like a hypocrite trying, you know, in in this transition where I was kind of, I I don't want to say I was having an identity crisis per se, but it was more of a, more of a professional identity crisis, I guess where I realized what I'd been doing for a while was not what felt best. I also give myself grace for what I was doing at that time was what I knew at that moment. Mm, Yeah. And, And so, yeah, you know, if you go way deep in my Instagram, you're going to find something probably about a macro, you know, I mean, and I don't, I just, I don't have the time. I mean, I don't know. I could probably go back and, or have a VA go back and delete those things, you know, and I'm I'm not here to manage people's triggers for them. Um, you know, that's, yeah, of course I think, and you think as far as triggers go, that's a really great way to get curious. Like, what about this is triggering for me? What do I need to heal to address that? Um, but 
you know, and so I had a lot of shame for a while. And actually part of becoming certified in intuitive eating is doing supervision with either Evelyn. So I did mine with Evelyn Triboli. And so I talked about that in my supervision Mm. about shame and how, you know, I don't want to run away from what I used to do, but I also did realize as I was doing macros and intentional weight loss for clients that it wasn't working. I mean, it was working in the sense that, yeah, the number would go down, but they would come back to me or it, it didn't sustain them for a while. It, it was always something that they had to keep fixing. Yes. I think that, I mean, I can relate so much to this. So in, at the beginning of this year, I, um, I didn't make a resolution, but I let go of, um, the attempt of losing weight. I, I told myself I am done with the battle in my brain that is always happening of if I make this choice, um, pummeling myself with guilt and shame about it, um, but still moving on with that choice and then pummeling myself with shame and guilt after it was done. And, and I wouldn't do this openly. It was very insular. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, can be such a back and forth um, when it comes to what you're putting into your body and releasing that. And um, for me, when I have been finding creators like yourself and and, um, dietitians like yourself that that put messages out into the world, uh, like coming home um, back into your body or making things simple when things don't need to be so overcomplicated, that shame starts to slowly dissolve and you realize, oh, there's a reason why I want to eat these things. It's because food's good and food is delicious. So now that you have been working with, you know, a myriad of clients, what are some things that, you know, when you're working with people that you, when you first are working with people that you have to break through. Um, Cause I know that that back and forth is something I've really, am, I've been healing and having to work on. So what are you seeing in your work? The One of the things that we first start with is that internal dialogue. What are those automatic thoughts that come through when you choose to eat food A or food B? Or what, you know, what, what is the automatic thought that happens after a certain meal and bringing it to the front, really amplifying that voice. Um, And and it feels counterintuitive because why are we giving that voice as just breaking us down a platform? Well, it's because we need to challenge it. The way you talk to yourself matters. And if that's the way that you're talking to yourself all the time, think about how many other automatic thoughts you have in a day, whether you hear a siren or a bang or bottles clanging or a big thump upstairs. You know, we have these automatic thoughts. And so a lot of these automatic thoughts are happening when you eat an Oreo, a roll, a regular Coca-Cola, whatever it is. And so what are those thoughts and how can we challenge them? And so it depends on client to client. Yeah. Um, you know, if I'm working privately with a client, I'll have them write it out, type it out specifically. So I can start to clap back is what I call it. You know, I'll start to Mm -hmm. clap back so they can hear someone else's 
voice in their head clapping back at their internal voice with the goal being eventually they start listening to themselves more than they listen to me in a positive way. Right. Um, Also though, the unconditional permission to eat all food. I can't tell you how many people, you know, say, I, I, I just can't have that in my house. I can't trust myself with that in my house. And if someone were to say, I can't have brownies in my house because I'm going to eat the whole pan. I I don't mean this in a rude or challenging way, but I would say then make a pan of brownies and sit with it. You know, no distractions, no TV on, no kids around, no podcast in your ears, but, you know, sit and be present with it and, and eat until you don't want to eat the brownies anymore. Just let, let's see how far it goes and not, not as a, like, prove it to me, but really, I, you know, I don't know where it's going to f- start to not taste good for you. I don't know where it's going to start to feel bad for you. Yeah. But also what, you know, what, what were you eating leading up to that? Did you skip breakfast? What was in your lunch? Have you been restricting brownies for years? So <laughs> yeah. you, feel this, you know, you feel this scarcity around them. Because of course, if you're only, I mean, I, I truly remember having, and this is again, it's not my parents' fault, but I mean, I remember, I remember having like a fist fight with my sister over an Oreo as a kid. I mean, it's just, you know, again, that, yes, that is no, my it's, parents. <laughs> no, it's true. It's like the hunger games of food sometimes. Like, like it's, I, I love that so much because I would say also adding to that list is like, how much sleep did you get? Like, have you gone outside? what have you been consuming today? You know, what are, what are you seeing around you? Um, did you have a conversation with someone that was positive or negative? You know, like, I think that there are all of these factors. And I love that you said, just don't watch TV. Don't have a podcast. Just take away all distractions and really come to yourself and what is in front of you and see what you actually want and what you actually desire. I think we're, we have all of these things swirling around us about how worthy are we of putting things that we enjoy um, like brownies into our bodies when we're fed messages around worthiness and a lack of worthiness. It is so easy to distract ourselves and consume, consume, consume. And I have definitely you know, had my own battle with that. But I think that when you, when you uh, have someone write down those thoughts and and clap back at them, you know, I think you're obviously doing that with love and with accountability. Um, what sort of changes do people see in this work when they start practicing these things in in the ways that you were describing oh so i i mean i have a question that i want to ask you in a couple of minutes yeah forget but like (laughs) the changes that people see they use the term quiet a lot they use the term peace a lot they education is also power education gives people confidence and the amount of miseducation that's happening out there, misinformation about nutrition um, is extreme. And so it it can feel, people have described it as drinking from a fire hose, 
where <laughs> there, you know, there are so many options and nutrition is so individualized. Like we mentioned earlier in the recording, you know, there's something for everybody. You know, I might not be the dietitian for a lot of people out there and that's okay. You know, just like there might be a different therapist or a different PCP. It's okay. Um, and, and so I just, I think that, um, you know, they don't feel as anxious around food. They, they are learning about nutrition as it relates to them specifically. Yes. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter what the girl, you know, the other girl on TikTok is eating. Now, again, you know, you found me through a meal that I really like. There are a lot of people there that didn't like the meal. I'm so glad that you did. And and that's the thing too, is, you know, you can't, you can't speak to everybody. Totally. Um, and so, oh yeah. And on that, on that thread though, the, um, you know, I, I think someone mentioned the number of carbs in the rice bowl that I made. I've never, I, I think I remember this. Yes. And I never realized how, or I never counted. I didn't know. Um, but also, you know, what that person doesn't know is how my body feels with that amount. They don't know what kind of workouts I do. They don't know if I ate the whole thing or if I don't eat the whole thing. And what does it matter? And and I wasn't taking that comment as malicious whatsoever, but it's, um, you know, when you start to feed yourself for you and not for anybody else, it makes a difference. Kind of like working out when you start to work out because, or move your body in a way that feels good, that makes you happy. Now, again, there are people out there who love a hot yoga class. There are people who love CrossFit. There are people who love both. There are people who would prefer to walk. There are people who prefer to get on their Peloton, whatever it is, that's fine. Do it because you enjoy it. If you're doing it only to shrink your body, it you're going to lose passion for it real fast. Right. It's yeah. not going to, it's not, that is not a habit that will be sustained. 100%. So what I wanted to ask you yeah. is what, since you let go in the new year, which I really, that's a really cool way of putting it because it's not putting a task, you know, it, it doesn't feel like it's hanging over you. You, you released. Yeah. What has it been like for you? Um, it's been really hard to be honest because um, I am not used to approaching food without a restriction mindset, even when like binging, you know, like even when having, um, cause my issue is I have, um, gone on, I've been on Weight Watchers. I've like done restrictive, I've, I've done restrictive eating programs. And then I just go back to, you know, sitting on my couch and, and eating too much food for my body. And so for me, when I make myself, I love like every day making myself a turkey sandwich with like chips and goldfish. It's like my jam. And it's very hard for my mind not to think about, well, that's a lot of bread or that's look at all these chips or are you sure you're going to feel good? And it's like, no, I actually like love it. And so I think I'm still battling those messages, but every single time I am, I'm thinking about well, I love myself, you know, like I actually, I'm worth in, you know, enjoying food for, you know, like I'm, yeah. I am worthy no matter my size. 
And also I've had to think about what am I doing in my life that's not just eating or that's not just um, revolving around food to make me feel better? Like, have I gone outside? Have I talked to a friend or a family member? Have I snuggled my baby? You know, like Mm -hmm. these things that encompass the whole picture for me. And so I've had to actually be so much more mindful about um, myself in a way that isn't um, pummeling myself with negative messaging. And so it's been so beneficial because it allows me to forgive myself, you know, like, like just flood myself with love, yeah. but it's, it's not easy. You know, like I've been programmed for so long to think that being smaller means you're more worthy um, and fitting into a little petite box means you're, you're better. And it's hard to, you know, erode that messaging. It is, it takes time and, and like any habit, the, the consistency, the effort, there are going to be weeks where it feels easier and there are going to be weeks where it feels harder days, minutes, hours, whatever it is. Um, but your cause is there. What you, what you said is so beautiful. Oh, thank you. (laughs) And and what's important though, is that it resonates with you. Yes. That you're doing it. That's why you are doing it. Your why everybody's why is going to be different and that's okay too. But you have crystal clear clarity. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that, um, it's a journey, you know, similar to your journey, how you, um, and I love that you said this, that you were very like data, um, like really moved by data. Uh, so was I, you know, and, and I'm not a dietitian. I'm not in, in this field, but I have access to, you know, all sorts of information and can utilize that to change my decisions, you know? <laughs> and so for me, I think like the evolution of, um, of not being so hard on myself and, and not like, I would take pictures of myself every single week to see before and afters and that, and I would measure myself and it's something that I know so many people do. And there are millions of people that do that. And it's, it is normal for some people Um, maybe if you're like a bodybuilder, (laughs) like somebody in like a sport, but I don't know how healthy or, um, normal that is. And I really resonate with, with what you say because of, um, that ease and that permission that, that you have in your work. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I'm a dietitian, I'm an intuitive eater and I sometimes have to refocus. How is this food making me feel? How is this making me feel? Because life gets busy, you know, and then, so I just, it's important to realize there's no such thing as the perfect intuitive eater. I'll, I'll accidentally eat past the point of comfort sometimes because mealtime with a four and a six-year-old is not a great time to be really centered on my body's cues or (laughs) 
Oh gosh. I mean, it's just, I, I, uh, it, it it is okay. The challenges are so real and truly there are going to be great dietitians out there who don't have kids. Um, it took having kids for me to be able to understand. Oh, I know. Um, Yeah. So I know it's because it's what your body can do and what your, how your body changes so rapidly for me, at least that was the experience. I had horrible pelvic pain during my pregnancy. Mm. And I think when you see what your body can do and then what you are, how, how you've been talking to your body, it really changes so much. Mm -hmm. So, oh my gosh, our time together has flown by. Um, Do a Joe Rogan length podcast. I feel like. I know. I I want to um just ask you one more thing as as we're uh wrapping up. Um I so appreciate your time today and the work that you do. And I'm curious, you know, what is your hope for people that find you and that um are looking at your content and are looking at the work that you do? What is your hope in 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 that interaction with you? I hope that they know the way they speak to themselves matter, that 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 really matters. And that if, you know, this is, it's a good, it's a good question that is, I feel like I have so many answers to. Um, I also know that my content goes from, you know, joking about diet culture to, a meal to what's at the grocery store to principles of intuitive eating. And so you know, I just want people to know that they are not alone, that you are never too broken to try something new, to try intuitive eating. Um, you know, that th- you are not beyond repair. That is what I really want people yeah. to know. And for some reason, if you know, you're listening to this and you you go to my page and I don't resonate or you don't resonate with me that try looking for other intuitive eating dietitians because there might be someone there, you know, somewhere else that, that resonates with you. You know, it, it's just, just because I am your first person that you see in this realm, there are so many others and there is a place for you. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. I certainly have felt that your um your content now speaking with you um has resonated with me in in a major way. And I just want to thank you for putting all of that out into the world because um I know sometimes when we put things out into the world, it may feel like we're speaking into an echo chamber. You're not really sure (laughs) if anyone's listening. Um, I'm listening and I, I see you and and the work that you're doing and it's definitely made um, such a great impact on me. So thank you for the work that you do. Well, Christina, thank, I mean, thank you. I think even on my website, I say, I say, I'm so glad you're here. And I, I mean, I mean it to anybody who, comes across. Yeah, you know, I'm so I'm so glad that you're here. You have you always have a space with me. Oh, I'd love that. Kristen, thank you for being here on the show. Um it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Christina. And to everyone listening, please never forget that your voice matters and your story matters and we'll see you on the next episode of the Amplify Her podcast. Bye everyone.
The Amplify Her podcast is a part of the Amplify Her Media Network. You can check out more shows on the Amplify Her Media Network over on Instagram at Amplify Her Media.